Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. The title of this message this morning is, Who Are You? My friends, that is a very important question, especially when it comes to knowing who you are in Christ. Now, there is a Christian movie in theaters right now called Overcomer. And you know, I very rarely, rarely ever recommend a movie from the pulpit, but I want to tell you this. If you ever get a chance to go see Overcomer, it is playing in theaters. Go see that film. It is a great one, especially when it comes to understanding who you are in Christ. In fact, I want to show just a short video clip this morning from that movie. Let me kind of introduce this to you for you. Now, in this clip, John is a basketball coach who is losing his team because the big factory in town is closing. Thus, many families are having to move away in order to find jobs. And so as families move away, the students have to change schools, and so he is losing his basketball team. Well, John goes to the hospital one evening with his pastor to do some hospital visitation, and he ends up meeting a blind patient by the name of Thomas Hill. And he becomes friends with Thomas, and so John goes back and starts visiting him on a regular basis. And so in this clip, John is visiting Thomas on one of his other uh, uh, visits, and they begin to have a deep conversation. So watch this real quickly. John, if I asked you who you are, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm a basketball coach. And if that's stripped away? Well, I'm also a history teacher. Okay. We take that away. Who are you? Well, I'm a husband. I'm a father. And God forbid that should ever change. But if it does, who are you? I don't understand this game. It's not a game, man. Who are you? Um, I'm a white American male. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Is there anything else? Well, I'm a Christian. And what's that mean? It means follower of Christ. And how important is that? It's very important. Interesting. All right, so far down your list. Okay, wait a minute. I could have easily said Christian first. Hey, yeah, but you didn't. Look, John. Your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. Doesn't sound like the Lord asked first place. You're calling me a bad Christian? Let me be a little direct. Last time you were here, you said you'd pray for me. Did you? No. No. For someone who knows the Lord, you're acting like somebody who doesn't, which makes me wonder, 
What have you allowed to define you? When you lost your team, it didn't just disappoint you, it devastated you. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. But when you find your identity in the one who created you, it'll change your whole perspective. So again, I want to ask you this morning, who are you? Because for someone who claimed to know the Lord, John acted a whole lot like somebody who didn't know the Lord because his priorities were out of whack. And what have you allowed to define you? John lost his identity when he lost his team, and he was devastated because who he is was wrapped up in what he did for a living. My friends, something or someone will have first place in your life. And whatever has first place in your life determines who you really are. Now, many Christians today are suffering from an identity crisis. That's the reason they're struggling with fear and anxiety and depression and loneliness and guilt and inferiority complexes because they really don't know who they are. Well, this morning, God tells us in the Bible who we are. And we're going to look at six things the Bible says about us today because God wants you to know when you leave here today who you are in Christ. Are you ready for this this morning? The first one the Bible tells us, we read about it in Romans 8, verses 14 through 18. The first thing the Bible says we are is that we are the sons and daughters of God. Verse 15 and 16. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Paul said, God did not give you a spirit of fear that brings you under bondage. Listen to me. Fear binds your faith and will keep you from accepting your adoption papers through Christ. My friends, it doesn't matter if it's fear of sickness or fear of what others think about you or maybe fear of financial crisis or fear of the future. Whatever it is, fear will hold you back from understanding who you are in God. And Paul is saying to us, let go of fear and grab a hold of daddy. Because when you realize that he is your Abba Father, he is your daddy God, then fear cannot have a hold on your heart. He goes on to say in verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Brothers and sisters, not only are you sons and daughters of God, but you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means as children of God, everything Jesus has, you have it too because you are a joint heir with Jesus. You are entitled to everything that God your Father owns. Hallelujah. And God owns it all. 
Hallelujah. You see, my friends, you need to know the word and know your rights as children of God. Let me remind you about what some people in the Bible did. Moses was able to pray and talk God out of killing the Israelites when they sinned. Why? Because he understood, I am a child of God and I am a joint heir with Christ. And when I ask my father for something, he will listen to me. Another example, Elijah, he prayed, and it did not rain for over three years. Why? Because when you're a child of God, God, your Father, listens to the prayers of his people. But if you're doubting if you're saved, if you're doubting whether you're a child of God, and if you're not saved, you can't claim this promise. But my friend, if you are saved today, you are a child of God, you are a joint heir with Christ, so pray like it. Pray like it. May I remind you that even King Hezekiah got a word from God. He said, King Hezekiah, you're going to die. You know what Hezekiah did? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he began to remind God of all the things that he had done for the Lord, how that he had led his people toward him. And, and before Isaiah the prophet left the palace, God said, go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm going to add 15 years onto his life. My friend, as a child of God, you can pray and the Father will listen to you. You're a child of the Most High God. When you pray, pray like you're a child of God. Talking to your father, not like a stranger begging for a piece of bread. Oh, God, please, if you don't do it, I don't know what I'm going to do. That is not how a child of God prays. That's how someone who's struck with fear and panic and anxiety prays. But as a child of God, understand who you are. You are God's child. He loves you, and love casts out fear. Anybody glad you're saved today? Give God praise because you're a child of God. Here's how we pray. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. My friend, you can come boldly to God your Father because you are his child. You can come in and say, Father, I need this. And he already knows you need it, but he wants you to ask him. He wants to hear from you. That's why the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done. It ain't about us. It's about him but we are God's children. I wish I had a witness in here today. The second thing the Bible tells us is we are sheep. Bah. You know, something you'll notice about sheep is sheep are dumb. They are. They are totally lost without a shepherd leading them. The Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Sheep are totally lost without a shepherd to guide them. Sheep will wander off just eating grass, one clump of grass at a time. And they'll wander off. And then when they get done eating, they'll look up and they'll look around and realize, well, everybody's gone. No, they didn't leave you. You left them. But that's the way we are. We are sheep. We get ourselves in predicaments that we look around and say, well, God, where are you? I promise you, God didn't move. 
we move because we get turned about with our feelings and the way things look. Listen to me. The good shepherd, he seeks until he finds the lost sheep. And the good shepherd will do whatever it takes to ensure that they don't wander off again. He's a good shepherd. He'll come after you. In fact, you're here this morning, not by accident. Pastor Jeremy already mentioned this morning, but I want to tell you again, God brought you here on purpose. There's a reason he wanted you to be here, and he gave me this word for every one of you to listen, and those listening on the internet this morning, God is letting you hear this word because he wants you to know he's the shepherd, you are his sheep. Years ago, there was a woman visiting Switzerland on vacation, and she came across a sheepfold, and she stopped and she was watching the sheep and she noticed a single sheep which was suffering with a broken leg. And it was bandaged up, but yet it couldn't walk. It was just kind of laying over there. And so she asked the shepherd, what happened to the sheep's leg? And the shepherd said, oh, I broke it myself. And then he went on to explain, of all the sheep in my flock, this one was the most wayward. It would not obey my voice and would not follow when I was leading the flock. On more than one occasion, it wandered to the edge of a perilous cliff. And not only was it disobedient itself, but it was leading the other sheep astray, so I broke its leg. The next day, I took food, and it tried to bite me. So I let him alone for a day or two, and then after that, I brought food back to him. And this time, he eagerly took the food, and he licked my hand and showed every sign of submission and affection. And when this sheep is well... It will be the model sheep of my entire flock because it will have learned obedience through its suffering. Brothers and sisters, sometimes the shepherd may have to break the leg of a sheep that keeps wandering off to teach it to depend on the shepherd. But I want to tell you, the good shepherd loves you. He will not kill you or destroy you. He's trying to get you to where you need to be. How many are glad for the shepherd that knows how to get our attention and get us back on the right track? Give God praise for the good shepherd today. Because you are his sheep, and he will lead you in the right path. But if you rebel against him, he will bring you to a place of submission. The third thing the Bible tells us is that we are more than conquerors. Paul goes on to tell us in Romans 8, verses 35 and 37, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Did you hear that? Through Christ, we will conquer all trouble, all sorrow. We will conquer persecution. We will conquer hunger. We will conquer poverty. We will conquer danger, even threats to our own lives. We can conquer these things through Christ. Hallelujah. Now notice, it does not say they won't come against us. It says we will conquer them when they do come against us. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what's coming against you this morning, but God wants you to understand you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you, and you are coming through this. You will come through it in the name of Jesus. Who am I preaching to today? Give God a praise because you're more than a conqueror. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 89, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
We are persecuted but not forsaken. We might be cast down, but we are not destroyed. Brothers and sisters, it will come, but we will conquer every single obstacle. Put us in a den of lions, God will shut their mouth. Throw us in a fiery furnace, we'll come out not even smelling like smoke. I want to tell you, the devil can't devise a weapon that can stop a child of God. Who am I preaching to? Give God a praise because he's worthy. You are more than a conqueror this morning. You are not under the circumstances. You're on top of the circumstances. The situation don't have you down. The doctor's report is not going to take you down. In Jesus, you are going to conquer every mountain in Jesus' name. You can tell a conqueror by the way they act too. A conqueror does not go around saying, well, I hope I'm saved. A conqueror knows who they are. I am a child of God. Not because I deserve it. Not because I was good enough. No. It's only by the blood of Jesus. But he washed me clean and I am a child of God. A conqueror does not go around saying, well, God can heal everybody else but me. No. A conqueror says, he said, by his stripes, I am healed. I am more than a conqueror. Because Jesus on the cross conquered it all. Then he turned around and gave it to you. That makes you more than the conqueror. Because he fought the battle but gave you the victory. I wish I had a witness in here. You're going through because you are more than a conqueror. Oh, hallelujah. We're halfway through. Stay with me. The fourth thing the Bible says you are, you are a soldier. 2 Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My friend, a soldier does not hold on to things back home that will keep their attention off the battle. Brothers and sisters, we need to cut off ties to this world and get on the battlefield and get our focus back on the true enemy. It's not your neighbor. It's the devil. It's not the boss. It's the devil. Your enemy is not your family member. It is the devil. And you are a soldier. But the reason that so many people are backsliding today, the reason so many people give up on God is because they don't know how to use their weapon. This is your weapon. The Bible is the sword of the Spirit. If you do not get in this word every day, if you're not reading the Bible every day, you're missing the chance for God to speak to you every day. This is your weapon. And if you think a soldier is going to go on the battlefield and not know how to use his gun or his sword or whatever he's got, that soldier is not only putting his life in jeopardy, but everybody in the whole platoon is now in jeopardy because he or she is now the weak link in the army and brothers and sisters we are soldiers therefore you have got to know your weapon inside and out but let me tell you this Isaiah 54 17 says that no other weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me says the Lord my friend the devil can't devise a weapon that can stand against you because you are a soldier and you're on the victory side hallelujah but here's the thing, as a soldier, a soldier must be faithful. 
Not only on the battlefield, but in every area of his or her life. The story is told years ago that some officers came up to Napoleon and recommended a young captain for promotion because he had won a key victory for them and showed unusual courage. Well, Napoleon asked, what did he do the next day and the day after that? So they began to watch this soldier. And after investigation, they found that he had gone back to his usual casual lackluster lifestyle. And Napoleon refused to promote him because he was looking for consistency and faithfulness. My friends, God is looking for the same thing. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. If somebody has to call you every week to see if you're going to be in church, something's wrong, soldier. Something's wrong. God's looking for faithfulness. Faithfulness in every area of your life. Ladies, how many of you know a husband who is faithful most of the time is not really a faithful husband? you got to be faithful to the Lord. And before you can do that, you got to realize that you are a son and daughter of God. That you are his sheep. Hallelujah. That you are his soldier. And that you are more than a conqueror. My friend, God is looking for soldiers who will be faithful all the time in every area. And this morning, if the Holy Ghost is speaking to you about giving up something or surrendering an area of your life, listen to him because he wants you to win the battle and it only takes surrender of every area oh are you still with me nudge your neighbor and say wake up it's about to get good the fifth thing the bible says we are it says we are witnesses Jesus said in Acts 1.8 you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. Brothers and sisters, we are power-packed, spirit-filled witnesses. Every one of you who's been saved, you can tell somebody about how Jesus has set you free and saved you. Every one of you who've been healed, you can tell somebody how Jesus healed your body. The times when he gave you peace, when everything else is falling around you, you can be a witness of what he's done for you. Notice Jesus did not say, you shall be preachers unto me. That's how a lot of people read that verse. They think this only applies to preachers. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. Not everybody's called to be a preacher, but everybody is called to be a witness. Everybody. Now let me tell you what a witness is. In a courtroom, a witness does not get up and argue the case. That's not his job. The witness does not get up and try to prove the truth. It's not his job. A witness does not get up and press for the verdict. It's not his job. In a courtroom, the witness simply tells what they have seen or what they have experienced. And everybody here can do that. Yes, you can. Everybody here, you don't have to argue the case. You don't have to press for a verdict. You don't have to get them on their knees and win them to Jesus. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you. That's all you've got to do and let Jesus take care of the rest. Because we're all witnesses to his power because he saved us. And we're all witnesses of his resurrection because we've been raised to new life. We can tell people, hallelujah. Because let me tell you something. 
your testimony is more effective than a sermon. You know why? Because unbelievers see preachers as professional salesmen. But they see you as a satisfied customer. And word of mouth is the best advertising there is. And Jesus understood that. That's why he said, I'm sending the Holy Ghost to empower you, to give you boldness, because you all are going to be my witnesses to the uttermost part of the world everywhere you go. Hallelujah. And so if you're hearing me this morning, you think, you know, I get nervous. And I get afraid to tell people about Jesus. Jesus said that's why the Holy Ghost came. To give you boldness. To be a witness for him. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. Can you love people? Can you love people? That's what Jesus asked you to do. And let me tell you something. Love is greater than fear. Love is greater than fear. My friend, a love will cause a parent to run into a burning building to save their child. Why? Because love is greater than fear. Love will cause you to do things that fear will try to hold you back. But if you will just love people and love them enough. Listen, when you realize the people around you who don't know Jesus are going to die and go to hell forever, love will cause you to say something. Love, if you really love the people that you say you love, if you really want to see your lost loved ones saved, you will. Yeah, that love will cast out every fear and you will open up your mouth because it's time to be a witness for Jesus. I wish I had an amen right there. Sixth and final point. The Bible says that we are overcomers. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. My friends, the trials we face increase our faith and help us overcome each one. And Christ in you is greater than anything that is coming against you. You are an overcomer. Whatever's coming against you, you're going to overcome it in Jesus' name because of who you are. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We are all running a race. It's called the race of life. And the race of life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. That means every day you get up and you start running again. Every day you've got to keep running. And when it comes to running, a great runner will set a pace because they know it's a marathon. They know they got to save some energy for the last bit when your body wants to tell you to, qu to quit. And so the runner will set a pace at about 70% of their energy. And they will focus on the runner in front of them. Not everybody else. They'll focus on the one runner in front of them. And at the right time, they'll speed up and pass that one runner and then settle back into their pace. They do that to overcome them one at a time. 
Let me tell you something. The problem that you're facing may seem overwhelming to you, but take your problems out one at a time and keep a steady pace. Keep following Jesus and tackle one problem at a time. Take it one day at a time. Sometimes you got to take it minute by minute, but you do it, you take it as you can, and you overcome it because, brothers and sisters, if you're trying to pay off your debt, Pay off your debt one at a time. Then when you get that one paid off, you take that money that you've been going for that bill, put it toward another debt. Now you double the payment on one, and you pay on that one until you get that one paid off. Doing it one at a time, you can get out of debt. I wish I had an amen right now. Those of you who are struggling in your relationships, set healthy boundaries one relationship at a time. Stop enabling the people in your life. Quit making excuses for people who are using you and never learning from their wrong decisions. Get your boundaries set and you will have a healthy, more peaceful life, but you can do it if you decide to do it. Because we're running a race. Great runners know the race is not all about running. It's also about thinking like a winner. You got to win the race up here before your body knows what to do. Your legs are going to get tired. Your legs are going to tell you to quit. But you've got to win the race up here in your mind first. That's when you've got to tell yourself, don't quit. I am going to make it. Because listen, if you lose the race in your mind, you will not make it to the finish line. Now, how does that apply to your life? Listen to me. Every day, remind yourself, I am a child of God. I am his sheep. He's the shepherd. I am more than a conqueror. I am a soldier. I am his witness, and I am an overcomer. You remind yourself every day, every hour if you have to, because you've got to understand here before you'll get it here. And my friend, that is who you are. Great runners also know that when you come to a hill, you don't slow down because that's what everybody else is going to do. Great runners, I'm talking about runners who actually will win the race. They see a hill coming and they speed up. They attack the hill, and when they're attacking that hill, everybody else is slowing down, and they can pass another runner going up the hill. Listen to me. I don't know what problem you're facing, but God told me to prophesy to you today, and here's what he told me to prophesy. He said, the hill that you are facing, if the devil put the hill in front of you, God is going to move that hill out of your way. I don't know who that is, who it's for, but this is for you. But then it went on to say, but if God put the hill in front of you, he's going to strengthen you, give you a second wind of the Holy Ghost so that it won't stop you. You can attack that hill and overcome it because you are an overcomer. I prophesy that to you. Receive it, whoever you will. You don't back down from the hill. You run at it. Great runners. I'm talking about runners who win the race. They also know that when you get near the finish line, that's when your body wants to quit. That's when everything in you is screaming, Stop! I need to sit down. 
But my friend, that's when you need to reach down inside of you and you give it everything you've got. You focus on the runner ahead of you. You track them down like a coon hound after a raccoon. You go after them and you overtake them. And because, my friends, you can't quit praying now. Don't you give up now. There'll be times you'll be praying about something and your knees will get tired when you're praying. And your knees will say, please, get up. I gotta, I gotta quit. Listen, don't stop praying. You get up and that's when you start prayer walking. Come on, somebody. The Bible don't say you have to kneel every time you pray. My friend, you start prayer walking, prayer walking. I come in here and pray all the time, and I walk. I wear this carpet out back and forth. I anoint these pews. That's why when you're feeling something back there, it's because the Holy Ghost is back there. I anoint these. I anoint everything in this place because this is holy ground. This is God's house. And my friend, he wants you to know who you are. When your knees say, get up, and I can't, I, can't, I, I got to quit, don't quit. You just start prayer walking. Don't stop just because your body gets tired. Because listen, how bad do you want your healing? How bad do you want your deliverance? How bad do you want your lost loved ones to be saved? You are nearing the finish line. The answer is on the way. That's why your body's saying quit. That's why the devil's saying quit. But you've got to be determined. I am an overcomer and I am going to overcome this. I am not going to quit praying. God is going to answer my prayer. Who am I preaching to today? Give God praise if you're an overcomer. Oh, God, help me finish this up. Because, listen, the whole time you're running this race, the whole time you're fighting the devil, your heavenly Father is speaking to you. He's the great coach. That's why you need to focus on his voice. You need to focus on his word. Focus on what he says about you. Don't worry about what people have said about you. They ain't got a clue about who you are. God knows who you are. God's the one who gave you life. God's the one who brought you here this morning so you could hear who you really are. And so I ask you the same question I started with this morning. What are you allowing to define you? Because John lost his identity when he lost his basketball team. He was devastated because who he is was wrapped up in what he did for a living. I want to tell you something. You're more than what you do for a living. You are more than a husband or a wife. You are more than a son or daughter. You are more than a cousin or an uncle or an aunt. You are a child of Almighty God. And something or someone is going to have first place in your life. And whatever that is will define who you are. And so I want to ask you one more time, who are you? Are you a child of Almighty God or are you a quitter? It's time to decide who you are. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.